As Kevin reminded you, and as you see, Craig is not here. Seems like that uh, that's kind of where I end up when I have an opportunity to share from the pulpit is, I think, at the end of the year a lot of times. And uh, I don't know if I'm the last in the barrel there or whatever, but then anyway, it kind of seems like that's where we end up with me sharing this time of year. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4 and those first six verses this morning. And we, you're probably going to hear walking worthy a lot this morning. So just be prepared. You're probably going to hear that said quite a few times this morning as, as I share from you. I don't know what I do is called preaching or not, but I'm sharing uh, what God has laid on my heart this morning and what he's challenged me with already this year in, in, in my walk. Let's look at those verses. Would you stand as we read those first six verses? Paul says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us your word to guide and direct our paths. Lord, as we break open the word this morning, as we look at the word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us and through us and that you would be honored uh, through what is said and shared this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Eighteen-year-old Chuck has gone through 12 of the toughest weeks of anyone's life in Marine boot camp in the coastal South Carolina. During the last weeks, they're forced to crawl under a roll of barbed wire with live machine gun ammunition blazing just inches above their heads. Chuck freezes. He begins to sweat. His hands dig into the red clay beneath him. As, as, as panic sweeps his soul, just then a friend calls up, crawls up beside him and says, Get a hold of yourself, Chuck. You're a Marine. Act like it. Who he is, a Marine, should affect how he acts under pressure with courage. Some of you may experience that sometime in your life. Uh, my mic is falling off. Okay. I may just take this thing off. and I think I'll just use well. I don't. I got it all wrapped around me, so maybe I'll try it. I got it up through here and all. Okay, is it all right? Hear me now. Okay. All right. I just shared about an experience with a marine. Most of you, hopefully, you heard about a marine who froze under pressure as he was crawling under the barbed wire with the machine guns going on above his head. That's part of what uh, uh, I was in the army, and that's part of what we had to do the last probably the last week of our training. That was something you had to go through. Well, as Chuck does that, he freezes in the midst of that with that. All that going on, when the pressure's on, he freezes right there on the ground. But his buddy comes up beside him and says, you know, you're a Marine, now act like it. And so throughout our life, from beginning to end, our character is related to our actions. We are, affects, whatever we are, we affects how we should act. This is the basic principle of life that Paul appeals in his opening sentences in chapter 4. 
of Ephesians. In the first chapters of uh, Ephesians, Paul is saying, you're a child of God. Now, in the fourth chapter, he's saying, act like one. Throughout the rest of the book, Paul spells out for us in specific detail how we are to act, living in the call of Christ and walking worthy. The word, therefore, in verse 1 of chapter 4 signals this change. Paul is saying, because of what I've said, because of what I've taught, because of what I've shared, I want you to do this. This is how you, a believer, is to walk. When I think about the, the, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are so powerful. Some of the most profound uh, writing we find throughout Scripture of Paul's. But over the course of 66 chapters in, the, in, the, in those three chapters, a powerful record of doctrine and divine truths are shared. He's been telling us about doctrinal truths that we should believe. He also has been teaching us how we, what our standing is in Christ. In summary, Paul focuses on three great truths in these three chapters. First, he writes about how God reconciled a broken people to himself. Secondly, he writes about how God reconciled the Jews and the Gentiles and brought them together in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he also writes in these three, first three chapters about how God took these redeemed Jews and Gentiles and made them into a new people the body of Christ. All these great truths teach us about who we are in Christ and about all that God has given us through his grace. Now Paul's thinking shifts. It's, it's pretty common in Paul's writing that he does this. He loves to lay out what Christ is and who Christ is for us. And then he challenges us, each of us, how to live it out, to live out our calling as saints, set apart for good works and for God's glory. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When Paul uses the word, therefore, in chapter 4, he's reminding us about everything that he's already written. And he is telling us everything that he has already written that calls for a certain response of our behavior Paul shifts from doctrine to duty. This shift is what we believe and how we should behave. Having been told about whom we are and what we are supposed to believe, Paul now tells us how we are supposed to act, how we are to live out the call life as followers of Christ. A few weeks ago, we were studying this in our, in our life group. We were studying Ephesians. And as we went across the, and uh, studied these verses, God began to speak to me about how I was walking out the call life, how I was walking it out daily in my life. God challenged me about that. And so as he challenged me and as I was thinking about what I wanted to share this morning, uh, these verses came back to me. And I thought maybe because of the new year and would be a good time to remind each of us and to challenge each of us about how we walk out our, 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 word, our lives. Are we walking them out worthy of the calling that Christ has, has given to us? Can I tell you, uh, the world is watching. If you profess Christ, the world is watching how we live it out daily in our lives. But even greater, the, even the greater challenge to our walk, are we pleasing the Savior in, a way, in the way we are living our daily lives as we're walking worthy of our calling? As I said, people look at us wherever we're at, school, home, uh, in, our, in, in our jobs, in our families, 
you know, people are watching us as we, if we profess Christ, how are we living it out? Are we walking worthy of God's calling in our life? The first point I want us to look at this morning is the way to walk worthy. How do we walk worthy? Let's read those scriptures again. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. When I thought about walking worthy, I couldn't help but think about the nature of Christ. Walking in a manner worthy of the calling, which means taking on the nature of Christ. I thought about some verses, as you all these verses are very familiar to you. But I listed these verses for us to think about this morning when, it, when I talk about how we should put on the traits of Christ, how we should put on his character, how we are to walk in that character. I thought of, of uh, Philippians 2.3. Uh, the believer must walk in lowliness and humility. Verse 3 says, Do nothing from self am- for selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I thought about the spirit that must prevail in each believer. It must prevail in, in God's church, and that is a, a spirit of humility, a spirit of lowliness of mind. In fact, I believe the only way a church can remain strong and be blessed of God is for its people to walk in a spirit of humility. We must strive to follow the perfect example of Christ when it comes to humility. I also thought about Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, which we're all familiar with. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Then also thought of Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The believer is to walk in the nature of Christ, that is, in the fruit of Christ's spirit. The word fruit is singular, it's not plural. The Holy Spirit has only one fruit. It's broken down into a list of traits we see here in these scriptures in order that we might understand God's nature in a greater way. But however, the Spirit only has one nature, one fruit. And he lives, therefore, when he lives within, when a believer lives within the traits of God, they should be present in his life. Those traits should, should be seen in the way that we walk in our lives daily. The genuine believer does not experience the, uh, and bear just some of them. The spirit of Christ produces them all in our life. And that should be who we are. I thought about that and I said, wow, you know, that's quite a challenge, isn't it? To be living out all these characteristics of Christ in our lives. I thought about, you know, we can't say that, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at uh, goodness and I'm pretty good at f- this faithfulness thing, but boy, I stink at gentleness and self-control. Uh, those, those are, you know, all of us struggle in different areas when we think about the fruits of the Spirit and the, char- and the, and the nature of Christ, but we must be willing to seek God and be willing to make them a priority in our lives and how we walk in Christ. As we consider God's command, loving God and loving our neighbors, we must remember we are not in this by ourselves as believers. One of the things that, that spoke to me and, and reminded me and encouraged me uh, when I think about living in the nature of Christ is that we have no greater advocate than Jesus Christ and his spirit. He is on our side. He desires that we live out these traits in our lives so that people will see Christ in us. And, 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 and as they see Christ in us, then, of course, as the verse said, we've shared 
already this morning is that God would get the glory for that. I just thought about it. You know, we're not doing this on our own when we're trying to live out the Christian life. We're not doing this when we're trying to walk worthy on our own. God is for us, and Christ is for us, and he's our advocate, and uh, he, he is there pulling for us. Nothing uh, it, he would rather see than us walking out victorious in our daily walks with Christ. The second point this morning I want us to look at is the purpose for walking worthy. And I want us to think about to keep unity, the peace, as we see in verse 3 here. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Another purpose for walking worthy is we must walk in unity. Believers are to work, work at keeping the peace so that they can stay bound together in the unity of the God's Spirit. Jesus Christ has broken down all the barriers existing between men. You see, when Jesus Christ came... And we've just been celebrating that here at Christmas. When he left his thrones in heaven and he came down to earth, he came down and eventually he went to the cross. He took on your sin and he took on my sin. They put him in a tomb. That tomb couldn't hold him. And because of his victory over death, hell, and the grave, you and I can have victory. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The point is this, when a person comes to Christ, the Spirit of God enters his life and binds that person to all other believers. There's a great spiritual bond of peace wrought by the Spirit of God between all believers. All differences, all prejudice are to be set aside, and the Spirit of love and peace and unity should exist in believers' lives. This kind of unity is desperately needed in our world today and the greatest example of healing needs to be lived out I believe in God's people and his church within the church there should be an existing spirit of peace produced by the spirit by God's spirit however tragically not every believer walks in the spirit not all the time too often we as believers allow self and our old nature to re-enter the picture and our walk becomes unworthy can you imagine if the world around us would see the church living with the spirit of love and peace and unity, the real difference it would make? We must guard our walk. The world is watching, as I said before. We, the church, must keep from beating up on each other. I like some of the signs I've seen around town lately. I know you've probably seen some of those signs that says, Love First. I kind of like those signs because they remind us of how God desires for us to walk. He wants us to walk his children in love, and it should be a priority in our lives. And a great reminder of how we can walk worthy. Just to kind of go back here a little bit and emphasize when I said that the world needs to see the church. The world needs to see the church living out God's desires and God's purposes. And what a great thing and a great desire for God is to use us, as we've talked about, a light unto the world. That they could see in us, even in difficult times in the church, they could see healing. How God heals and, 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 and how God uses his people and how we love each other. John thirteen thirty five. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another.
What a challenge on the church. What a challenge on us as individual believers. Our third point, my third point this morning is there are seven basic reasons to walk worthy. In verses 4 through 6, there are seven basic reasons why we should walk worthy and strive to keep peace and unity of God's Spirit in the church. I'm going to go through each one of these this morning because I think they're important for us to to think about this morning. I'm not going to go into long detail about each one of them, but I thought we would touch on each one. Let's read those scriptures again. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Too often, we see too many churches struggling with unity. Far too often the church is a place where peace and unity of believers can fly apart. Again, there are seven reasons why we should, this should never happen. Seven reasons why believers should always walk in the peace and the unity of the Spirit. The first one we're going to look at is one body. There is only one body. There is neither two bodies nor several bodies of believers. However, in this broken world that we live in, there's many different denominations and churches. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The second thing we see here is there's only one spirit. The same spirit that dwells within members of the body dwells within all members of the body. With, with let me read that again. The same spirit that dwells within one member of the body dwells in all members of the body. John 3, 5, and 6 says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. The third thing we see there is only one hope. Believers have the same hope. The great day of redemption there will be a new world created perfectly for Christ Jesus and his people. Life in this new heaven and new earth will be a life of love, joy, peace, a life of oneness and unity and brotherhood and perfected. Romans, 12, uh, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. There is only one Lord. There's only one master and king. Every believer has bowed before the same Lord. All believers, as believers, we are to live as he said, holy, righteous, pure, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, to carry out his instructions as one body, walking worthy. 1 Corinthians 12, 6, 12, 5 and 6. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but in the same God, who empowers them all in every one. Another reason why we should walk worthy in unity, there is only one faith. There are not two faiths. There are not several faiths. There's only one faith that leads into God's presence, and that is faith found in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 and 7, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except by me. If you've known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. There's one baptism. The baptism that refers to, it refers to the baptism of all believers in the body of Christ. It's an outward sign 
of an inward reality of believers, which is a result of the redeeming work of the Holy Spirit. Again, I use 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For this one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jew or Greek, slave or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. And the last one we see here is there is only one God, Father of all. God is uh, omnipresent. God, thus the Christian church, is one body, wherever its separate, separate congregations may be found throughout the world. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God, men, and the man Jesus Christ. We see all these evidences of why we should be one in Christ and, how, and how, why we should be walking worthy of the calling. Sadly, too often as believers, we're separated because of minor differences. But Paul here in these verses shows us the area where Christians must agree to obtain true unity. When believers have this unity of spirit, petty differences should never be allowed to break up the unity. These truths are truths that should bind us in order to walk worthy and in unity. As I thought about these scriptures, and I thought about all the, the things we see here about the unity of God's church and, and the presence of His Spirit and how it's supposed to be affecting our lives to walk in, in, that, in His presence, to walk in His nature. As I thought about that, I thought about what a neat thing God is doing here in the body of Malvin Hill. I've been here a long time, as you can see. I've been around a long time. But, you know, God is blessing us. And I think as I thought about that, I thought about each one of us. We have a responsibility. Each one of you sitting in that pew, you have a responsibility to guard the unity of this body, this church. We know and understand Satan wouldn't, is not happy about what God is doing here. Because God is doing a, a tremendous work in our body. When, every time these kids get up on Sunday morning and they walk past me, I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I, hopefully I'm, I, I, I'm thankful, as I should be. When I see that happening, we got young parents bringing these young kids. And they're, they're un, getting a, a great understanding of who God is and God's word and what he's doing, you know, who he is and what he wants to do in their lives. I, I see that. You know, God is blessing us, but I, as I say, and I'll, I'll say, it, say it again, you who are sitting in the pew, the members of this body, the members of this church, you have a great responsibility to guard the peace and to guard the unity of this church and to walk worthy of the calling that he's called on each one of us. God has called us to be Christ's representatives on earth. Because of this great truth, Paul challenges us to live worthy of the calling we have received. What an awesome privilege. God has called you and me to live out a life that others would see Christ in us. And their lives would be affected by what they see going on in our lives. What, what, what a privilege we have to be called out to do that. And that's what he's called you out. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, he's called you out to be his representative to the world around us. This includes being humble, gentle, patient, understanding, peaceful. People are watching our lives, as I said before. Can they see Christ in you? How well are you doing as his representative? How are you walking? I want us to look at uh, some scriptures here that Paul writes. Listen to what Paul shares about 
what Christ has done for each of us. Paul loves to remind God's people in his word of the work of Christ and why we should be walking worthy. Ephesians 1, if you want to turn there, Ephesians 1, you're right close. We're going to look at verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for, for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. God has lavished on us, his children, his grace. Now let us go and walk in our calling. I'm going to read Matthew 5:16 once again. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As I think about <clears throat> coming to a close this morning, this is the difference that God desires in our lives. This is the way that we're going to make a difference in this new year, by walking and living out God's call on our lives. God has called us to be a light. God has called us to make a difference as we go. By walking through the power of God's Spirit, we open this morning with the illustration about the Marine who freezes under pressure. His buddy says to him, You're a Marine, now act like it. Paul, Paul speaks to us through his scriptures today. And he says, You're a blood-bought child of God. Now go and act like it. Walk worthy of your calling. This morning, as a believer, I think this challenge on my life and the challenge that God gives us in his scriptures this morning on your life is to walk it out. As we read in Ephesians 1, he gave his only begotten son that we might have forgiveness of our sins and that we might be joined with him someday in a place called heaven where everything's perfect. Christ died for our sins as undeserving as we are. He took my place and he took your place on Calvary's cross. God challenged me as we were going through those scriptures a few weeks ago in Sunday school. So many times my daily walk does not reflect the calling on my life and what Christ has done for me. He convicted me. Maybe this morning as a believer, he may be speaking to you this morning. As he spoke to me, you got a ways to go about this walking worthy. It's a good time to start, isn't it? The new year, you know, we, we talk about New Year's resolutions. I'm not, I'm not into resolutions, but I'm into trying to walk a better walk for Christ and to please him and to honor him more in my life. Maybe this morning as a believer, He's speaking to you about that. And maybe you want to come this morning and just as the new year begins, bow at the, at, the, at the altar here and ask him 
to give you that renewed challenge and spirit in your life to walk as Christ put on those characteristics those natures of Christ in your life and begin to wear them out in the world has there been any time the world should should see the church being the church I don't think there's been any there's no greater time in recent years than we need to be the church we've never been so divided in our nation as we are now and I believe as a church we have a great responsibility God has called us to make a difference to be to be healers in our nation just as that sign says love first we got to be willing to love first look beyond the outside of what we see maybe in people and look at them like Christ looks at us he looks on the inside doesn't he maybe that's you this morning maybe as a believer that's where you are this morning but you may say this morning there's no way I can walk worthy because I've never received Christ I've never trusted him as my Lord and as my Savior so maybe this morning he's saying to you what a great time to come to the Lord would be at the beginning of a new year, wouldn't it? To give your heart and to give your life to Christ and ask Him to begin to walk with you and to help you walk out the life that He's called you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. I'd love to talk to you about it and share with you about it. Would you stand as our t praise team comes? As we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're the God of second chances. God, so often in my life, I need those second and third and fourth chances. I thank you for reminding me this morning and through these scriptures that your desire is for us to walk worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. It's a task that's beyond us, and we can't do it on our own. God, through your spirit and through your power, we can make a difference. As I said earlier, you are our greatest advocate for us walking out a victorious life. And you want to walk with us. Lord, as believers this morning, would we be reminded of the walk you desire in our lives. And those this morning without Christ, they realize that they can't walk the worthy or walk that is worthy because they've never truly trusted Christ. Maybe this morning, there would be someone here this morning that would say, yes, I need to begin that walk and I want, to, I want God to become my Savior, my Lord, my God. Maybe they'll come this morning as Jesus moves in our hearts and in his church. In Jesus' name I pray.